0: Hi, beautiful soul fam. Welcome to a shiny and new episode of Ceremony Circle Podcast. I'm your host, shaman and author, Allison Charles. And today you get to meet one of my dearest sisters, Ksenia Brief. And I'm actually still getting used to calling her that. For the last decade, I've known her as Ksenia Abdalova, but she recently got married. And so Ksenia Brief, it is Ksenia is a conscious social media guide, ceremonialist, ritualist, and host of Funded by Source podcast, a podcast where I have made three appearances. So grateful for that. And as I mentioned, I've known her for a very long time, and she's as real deal and devoted to the spiritual path as they come. She is from Russia, but she got deep intuitive hits at a young age that the U.S. was where she was supposed to be. So in today's show, we dive into her Russian upbringing, the relative there who rooted her in spirituality, what the wild and very initiatory flow was for her as she made her way over to the States, encountering rite of passage after rite of passage, all rooting her more in her divine truth and clarity along the way. And that clarity would take her from the West Coast down to the South, then over to the fashion industry on the East Coast in New York City, where we met. She would eventually leave Brooklyn after many years and build a tiny cabin in upstate New York. So yes, we get into all of that, so, along the way, she has mastered pivoting one's brand and career path in order to stay in alignment with Source. So, you may actually know of her from her award winning previous brand called Breakfast Criminals, or maybe you even eat acai from her heart bowls. But regardless of where she's lived or what brand she's birthing, she's always doing it with integrity, evolution, and embodiment. And as I mentioned, Ksenia recently got married and she and her husband, Eric Reef did it over on very sacred lands in Africa at a game reserve called Londolozi. You can actually listen to episode 10 of Ceremony Circle Podcast, where I interview an author and lion tracker named Boyd Vardy. It's actually Boyd and his family who run and own the Londolosi land and operations. And Cassania shares a never heard before most reverent spiritual story of an experience she had on these lands with an ascended master who is most near and dear to my heart. And this is also where she had an encounter with a rhino that changed her life She shares about that story in my new book, Animal Power. Animal Power is now available for pre-order. Yay, celebrating that every time I get to say it. You can get it from my website, allisoncharlescom backslash animal power. And when you do so, you get a free video guided shamanic journey facilitated by me, where you will meet your current power animal. And my Animal Power book is 100 Animals to Energize Your Life and Awaken Your Soul. It's a comprehensive modern day power animal guidebook. And along with the 100 animals, there are 25 global contributors who share about an animal most sacred to them. And you can read all about Ksenia's rhino encounter there in the book. And you can get it again at allisoncharles.com backslash animal power. So, of course, I also asked Ksenia what is next in social media land. After all, she is a conscious social media guide and expert. I wonder, is Instagram going away? Is TikTok taking over? How can we use social media as a conscious and healthy tool rather than one that drains energy or even creates anxiety? We definitely don't need any more of that right now. So let's get going on this wild spiritual adventure with my dear sister, Brief. Ah, Ksenia, you're here. I can't believe it. You're here. You're sitting with me in Texas. You're on my couch. And after knowing each other for so many years, when you showed up today, we both had the same question was, when was the last time we saw each other? And I can't believe it was... What a few, it couldn't have been a few years ago. It might have been a vision, but I was pretty certain that you
1: visited Eric and I at our cabin sometime in the fall of 2019. But I didn't. That's very interesting. I never was there. Eric even had a memory
0: of you blessing the space. That is so wild. (laughs) I've never been there. I've always wanted to go, you know, especially when I was still in Brooklyn and it wasn't all that far away. And I, it part of me feels like I've been there because of all of the renovations you guys did and like keeping in tune with the uh, videos and like all your postings on your tiny cabin life. But I was never there. That is fascinating.
1: So then it must have been Aniwa.
0: The Aniwa gathering where we shared a cabin, another cabin. And that was a whole other different kind of an adventure. Mm-hmm. So but I'm so glad to see you. I am so excited to be here with you
1: and be holding... Your book Animal Power in my hands. Ah. It is such a beautiful work of art and spirit and it's just such a blessing to have our paths cross in these different places mm-hmm. and times and witness this new very exciting chapter for you. Man,
0: thank you. Yeah, I mean, I've I've known you I don't know how many years, but so many. And I feel like we met not long after i had had my awakening. And so you, you are a friend who has really seen me through the vast majority of my post veil lifting life and career. So we've definitely seen each other through a lot of different chapters and deep evolutions and moving to different places and getting married and me getting engaged. And so yeah, and I was reflecting, too, on our trip to Nicaragua. Yes. That was such an epic one. It was so fun. Being in the jungles. Remember, it was that super blood moon, mm. so, and I and I did a shamanic journey. I remember The that. drumming outside, and we were literally in the middle of the jungles with the howler monkeys, mm-hmm. and we'd wake up to it, the volcano outside of our window. Yes. yes. Oh, my
1: God. Yeah, there's a vlog on my YouTube channel at Home with Ksenia from that trip, from the Nikupe Resort.
0: And there's lots of fun moments and Magic Captured. God, it was so good. And I'll never forget, yeah, that the first day that we met, we had known of each other from social media, but the first physical meeting was at Jane Motorcycles. Oh, yeah. I will never forget that movie star moment
1: (laughs) when Allison walked in wearing all white with those tattoos and your, you know, tan skin and your long hair. And I don't know if I knew you would be coming there, But as soon as you walked in, I felt this movie star energy and this this pull because I've already been pulled to you before that on social media. Thank you, social media, for creating so many magical connections and moments. And then you walked in, and it was just instant.
0: Yeah, yeah, we we fell in love instantly.
1: Yeah, sisters
0: and friends. I think
1: you might have come with another plus one, but yes. Oh my God, I (laughs) forgot
0: about him. (laughs) Oh my God, that's right. Yes, but I pretty much took you home that's so true oh my god wow that 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 is a blast from the past wow i totally forgot about chatting with that previous gent all right well <laughs> changing the topic now. <laughs> yeah <laughs> in case luke happens to ever listen to this episode um no kidding he he's cool about that stuff but another reflection that i was having is in all of these years that we've been such close friends and sisters and yeah, I mean, of course, I've heard a little bit about your, you know, upbringing and childhood. But I feel like I've never really sat down over cacao or tea and like really talked to you about the fact that. I mean, of course, I know you're Russian, but I've never asked stories about your Russian upbringing and the fact that you grew up over there. And then when I was actually, I was like, let me do a little research, even though I know Ksenia. Let me see what like what is living on the interwebs. And then I read, I don't think I remember you telling me you grew up partially in Australia too. Oh yeah, fun facts. So please, I want to start there and just whatever is evoking, um, to explain the Australian part because that Mm. got me really confused. How did that
1: happen? My dad used to work for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Soviet Union before it was Russia. And he got assigned to go to Australia, to Canberra. And so my mom was deeply pregnant, and they were waiting until I pop out Earthside to get to Australia. So as soon as I was two months old, we got on a plane, a little stop in Japan, and we ended up in Australia. And first five years of my life were there. And then I remember coming back to Russia and just I have this sense of not quite fitting in. I remember growing up on all of these American movies and English language all around me, and very much American influence, or at least English-speaking. And then coming back to Russian, it was, you know, 1993, there was still lots of remnants of the Soviet world. You know, I only got to visit a supermarket where you get to pick your own food instead of asking the cashier to bring it to you when I was maybe 10. And that was a huge deal. I remember I felt, so, I felt so progressive and so free and so exciting. And
0: so I already have a couple of questions. Number one, so in your time growing up in Australia, were you speaking both Russian and English? I believe I was speaking Russian because we were surrounded by such a strong
1: Russian community within the embassy. Uh-huh. So I was watching lots of English speaking cartoons and movies. Somehow the one that stands out is the Smurfs. Oh, I love it Smurfs. It's my favorite one. I don't remember anything about why, but you know now that I get deeper- Do you deeper, remember Gargamel? I don't.
0: The mean, he was like the villain in The mm. Smurfs. Gargamel! And he lived, I think he lived in a castle and he'd always try to get The Smurfs. You gotta huh. look back and All watch right. an episode. Definitely
1: putting that on my queue. Gargamel. But I think that the more I- live in nature and work with plants in different ways and fungi friends, the more I'm connected to how Smurf play, Smurfs play into that mystical side of me mm. that was possibly awakened as a child because I've always craved for something that was deeper than the surface. And as a child, when I didn't feel that sense of belonging in Moscow, I remember I found my home in books That was the first place I would read these colorful stories about wonderful places. And that was really the first time I probably felt at home Mm -hmm. on the pages of those books. And then later on computer games, and then later on the internet and blogging and fashion and photography.
0: Mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting pulled in a couple of different directions. So I know that the lands of Russia and right around there, it's there is a lot of potent spiritual energy from there. And the word shaman actually comes from Siberia, which I know you know, but I'm just sharing for any of the soul fam joining us who that might be new information for. And so do you recall, I understand what you just shared, this innate desire to lean into the metaphysics and the deeper uh, swirlings of earth life, but do, do you have any concrete remembrances of your time growing up there of other spiritual practices or things that your family did and any rituals or?
1: no one in my direct family my parents or my sister are into spiritual practices and tools and things like that at least not on the surface they will always accept a crystal from me especially <laughs> my nieces the awesome. next generations love crystals yeah but the person who really was my channel into that world was my grandfather, whose name was Vitali, but we called him Viva. Mm. And he passed away when I was 16, I believe. But he has been my spirit guide ever since, very, very solemnly with me, was revealed to me as soon as I went on my first mushroom journey. I felt his energy very present. And... I have also been recently revealed that he is the one who led me to my husband, Eric. Mm. And he has been such a guiding light on a lot of the steps. And the thing about him is that he was an engineer for submarines doing super top secret work. So once the borders opened and you could actually travel, he was not allowed out of the country because of all the secret knowledge that he Mm. possessed. So my grandmother was always traveling either alone or with her friends or with us. And he has always been into the metaphysical things. I remember there was a huge pyramid built near Moscow, and he was the one who said, we have to go visit it and walk around it. He also had different charging devices for his water. And as I found out years later after he died, he also had a huge chest with crystals. He'd been collecting his whole life, but no one was interested in them. So my grandma gave them away to someone else. But there were so many things and kind of points. And the strongest one that is still very present in my life is everyone in Russia pretty much has this tradition that even if you live in the city, you have a country house that is called Dacha. It comes back from the Soviet times where the government will give you a little plot of land and encourage you to grow food and bring your family there and spend time
0: outdoors and build your wooden cabin. I mean, can we just like, I know there's Some other aspects, maybe, of Russia that aren't so favorable, but like that's pretty Mm. epic to encourage people to connect with nature and become sovereign and growing their own crops. I don't know if that was quite the intention. What do you think the intention was? Because that sounds so amazing. They're like, wow, you guys should really learn how to commune with the land and like grow your own food. I can't tell you
1: the exact answer. There's so much about Russian and Soviet history that I have yet to catch up on. Right. It could have been that they actually wanted to have strong farming so that there is that independence and not having to rely on anything outside of Russian boundaries. I don't quite know, but what I do know that as a re- what, no matter what the intention was, as a result, Russian people are very connected to the land, mm. very connecting to growing your own food. So I grew up watching my mom and my grandmother and my grandfather all tend to the garden and grow berries and make jams and
0: make pickled cucumbers And your mom's really into rocks. I remember that. Or like huge boulders or something. Oh my goodness. I feel like I remember it. That was a TikTok for sure. Yeah. She's
1: just really incredible with landscaping, which I tried to have her teach me, but I don't think you can pass that on. She just sees things, she puts them together, and there's no words for it. But she's definitely a big inspiration in that. But with my grandfather, when we would spend time at our dacha, which would be every summer, all summer as kids we would go mushroom foraging in the forest. That was the biggest activity. We you know, we had a TV, like a little square box with maybe a few channels. So sometimes we would watch something, but the biggest activities were helping parents garden, hanging out with friends in the evening. I would make a fire. It would heat up the rainwater and we'd take showers with my sister. We'd get all geared up, covered from the mosquitoes, put a little makeup on and go out for the night and hang out with kids. Um, And in the mornings, it would be waking up as early as you can to be the first one in the forest and go mushroom foraging. And that is still, if I can choose one favorite activity, that would definitely be it. There's something so magical about walking into a forest and seeing one mushroom and then leaning down and seeing a whole family of mushrooms and then picking them and smelling them and connecting with the earth through such a brilliant network of something that is not a human and not a plant, but closer to human than a plant Mm -hmm. that is wise and that has so many nutritional qualities and then bringing it home and making a meal out of it with potatoes and sour cream and onions, you know, super simple, but so delicious. My mom still makes it for me every time I come to visit a couple weeks ago. And I remember one time my grandfather Viva said he was an incredible singer. He just had such a stage presence, super tall man, white slicked back hair, gorgeous voice. And he told me that in order to notice mushrooms, you have to sing to them. Mm. And so I've been only recently really realizing what he meant by that. And I think it's this idea of creating the space for miracles and initiating the space to receive it so that we can actually cultivate the presence for being there for ourselves, for our mission, for others. Because if we don't create those moments, whether it's a ritual or just sitting down and taking a breath, it could be that simple. Then how can we notice anything magical Mm. if we're not allowing ourselves to be present for it?
0: Oh my gosh, Um, so much in this. Uh, First question, what, does get evoked inside of you as you were explaining that i could see you you know peering around to the mushrooms and when you're connecting with them in the forest or in the woods the way that you have since you were a little girl is there a certain feeling that comes alive inside of you or what what is happening when you are in that sacred communing with these little sacred mushroom friends it's this feeling of magic of
1: life you know how mushrooms are usually in cartoons or books. They're portrayed as these colorful beings that are, that are part of a mystical setting. Right. And there are lots of mystical stories around them. And they're being uncovered every day of how they mushrooms and other plant medicines or consciousness medicines would be more appropriate to say because mushrooms aren't really a plant. They were at the helm of religions that we know today. And for me, it's it's this childlike wonder that gets awakened in the presence of those beings.
0: Hmm. Childlike wonder. Okay. I'm just kind of staying with that because it's been really interesting. I mean, you, you know my journey um, with shamanism and how uh, it was many, many, many years uh, deep on my personal shamanic path before any plant medicines, entheogens called to me and while I've answered the call to, you know, a handful of them and always working with them in sacred space, the mushroom friends, they they gently speak to me and I microdose and you know, we have a very uh, kind of step one light connection but you know for luke i mean those are his best friends and that that's just on such an ancient level he connects with these mushroom friends and i know that you have had a many you know year uh deep and long journey with them too and so i'm just always intrigued for you know for like you and luke i, I always want to know more and understand what that relationship is like because it's one that has not fully clicked in and gotten deep for me mm. so interesting as you were saying that my jaw got a little bit
1: shaky. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel when the mushrooms start kicking in. Mm. Like the jaw gets Ah. kind of tense before it loosens. And I trust that all consciousness medicines speak to us as we're ready to work with them if we are. And we all have ones that come to us in different chapters. And for me, it's been very clear when I'm meant to work with certain medicines and when I'm not, sometimes a plant won't speak to me for three years And then it will. And what I find really beautiful about specifically psilocybin is that it doesn't have to be this huge ceremony and a journey, which is on its own beautiful, but it also can be part of our lives in a microdosing way. And I find that to be such a beautiful practice, too, that really connects me to my own inner web of knowing Mm. and drops me in deep into being held by the earth and remembering that i'm always guided and that this human body is given to me not to suffer and not to be shamed or judged by myself but to really enjoy and to be as my mentor michelle sine has said once and it really stuck with me this fact that we as souls in human bodies we can go into the divine pantry and we can reach and get any ingredients and we can create anything in this earth realm just that perspective and that opportunity sounds so joyful and exciting. And that's one of the things that working with mushrooms, whether I'm ingesting them or just witnessing them in the forest, that's what it reminds me of.
0: Okay. So um, pardon that brief commercial break where I had to let Jellybean into his bathroom, but we were um, productive during the commercial break. So take it away, Ksenia. Well, first of all, I got to meet Luke for the first time. Yes, that was a big moment. I know, I still can't believe you guys had not not met, but he was more L.A., so it kind of makes sense.
1: It's really a special moment. Yes. So
0: I also looked up your question about
1: dachas, and actually you were spot on. I'm looking up on Wikipedia. A dacha is a seasonal or all-year-round second home, often located in the exurbs of Russian-speaking and other post-Soviet countries. They were given... Originally by the tsar to the people, so that they can grow food and vegetables for personal consumption. And you were right; huh. it's a tradition that was started way earlier than I thought, and it was exactly for that to get a break from the city and grow vegetables for your
0: own personal use. Wow! And that tradition still very much exists. Uh, that I can't imagine a much healthier. Thing for the government to institute for the people to learn how to connect with the land, grow your own food, become more sovereign, commune with nature. That's All pretty, the things that the Western world is getting into now. Totally. Yeah. Right. Well, you mean, oh my God. Right. Well, some of us, yeah, feel a little, uh, thrust into learning how to uh start to grow our own food for certain reasons, right? I know, yeah, we can't even go down that rabbit hole. There's so much to get into there, but I will say that at our new house, Luke and I, we are going to build a food forest. That is so exciting. Yeah.
1: I've been learning all about how instead of having lawns that don't add anything to the environment, you can actually be having building food gardens that keep producing food for years to come. And creates a permaculture environment that nourishes the earth back, and it's this beautiful cycle.
0: Yes spot on so yeah this place um called food forest they can do you know many acres but they actually kind of specialize and love the niche of working with people that have just more like yards backyards and turning their yard into a, a true food forest so i'm very excited i love that so to much see. yeah I, I have some things on my list that i want to try to make sure we get in there and i want to grow frangipanis i'm obsessed do you know that balinese and it also is in hawaii that just most aromatic, incredible yes. flower the frangipani. Oh my gosh. I can think, you eat it? I I don't know, but I, I but I went there, I guess maybe that doesn't yeah fall in mm. line with the food for us, but just the smell, so it feels like I can eat it. You know what yes. I mean? It's so incredible. So delicious. Okay. So we got that answer and then back with the mushrooms, I think just to follow up and kind of Um, No pun intended, but to button that uh, back up and, and close that circle with that conversation. I think that, you know, we were getting into a point that I always like to touch on, and that's really honing in. You know, all of these living beings have spirits, whether they're the mushroom friends or plant spirits. And, Um, it, it truly is about waiting for the call. And, and just as you were explaining, you know, some plants did enter in and it was an activated call and then they shifted out, you know, for whatever reason, you know, where your soul was at, what your being was needing for evolution or pausing or whatever was going on in your life, but getting to that place of attunement within our own beings to really truly know when nature support is calling and when it's wanting to take a break, I think is one of the biggest lessons in the spiritual journey. So I'm so glad we got into that. And I don't know if there's anything else you kind of want to touch on with, with that and just the responsibility of like answering a true call, especially Mm. with working with plant spirits.
1: Yeah. And really being able to trust whether that's a yes or a no that is really inconvenient because you have to say no to a ceremony you already signed up for and last moment you get a no. It's this trust that I think can be cultivated on a daily basis when we make our food choices. You know, some people that are listening to this might remember or know me or have heard of me as breakfast criminals Mm -hmm. because originally I put myself on the map of the wellness world through food and practicing self-love by making our meals with mindfulness and putting way too many superfoods in each breakfast, that phase is over. (laughs) And I still very much think I love food. I don't post about it as much. And recipes, I'm just so intuitive with my recipes and I'm so in the moment that I don't often record them or post them. But food is such a source of joy and aliveness and a meditative process for me. And I find it to be also this beautiful opportunity to practice communicating with our bodies, both physical and energetic, and really. Attuning ourselves to hearing what our bodies need. Whether you or any of us have a ritual of waking up and making ourselves a cup of coffee or matcha or cacao, and that's this thing that we do every day, I find it to be so beautiful and important to wake up in every morning, retune in and recreate what will serve us in this moment because it's always changing. And when we attune ourselves that way in everyday things, we also are able to hear the whispers in bigger decisions mm-hmm. in work and in personal
0: life and our body nourishment and movement and anything. Yeah. And you really start to learn to trust yourself. And I mean, there's no greater relationship than being able to commune with source, the divine, the the helpers in the unseen realms. And it gets, um, yeah, just very, very strong and you become a one whole operating system mm-hmm. that Is the most powerful operating system possible because you're connected to your own true wisdom Mm. and heart intelligence and you're connected to uh, you know, the most powerful benevolent forces in the unseen realm. Mm. So And also remembering that even if we end up in a situation where
1: our food or our beverages seem out of our control, we can always use the power of our vessel to clear it out, to up the frequency, to release any energies that are not there to serve our nourishment and kind of leave that aside. And remember that our hands are a powerful channel through which we can charge, cleanse, and
0: up the frequency of anything, including Mm. food. Can you explain to the people with us what you mean a little bit more, even if it is just a simple explanation of, you know, before you ingest a meal, like, you know, how long you have your hands above the food and Mm. and are you saying your prayer out loud? Is it a different organic one every time? Are you always saying the same prayer? What does that look like? Our friend Aaron Rose Uh. is an incredible person with that. He always does that. I usually start
1: nibbling on food as I'm cooking. It's part of my process. Uh And we don't have a dining table set up right now, which I'm really intending to have in our next house. So there isn't. ritual like that but there is more of a reverence and gratitude that i try to bring into the food every step of the way as i pick a tomato from my garden get the cauliflower pizza crust and mesh it all together and the recipe comes through me Mm. Um, it's more of a casual no-step process of just coming back to presence in my body Mm -hmm. being intentional enjoying what I'm doing, enjoying what I'm eating, because
0: truly joy is the highest nutrient that exists. Mm -hmm. Such a good point. Yeah. And it's been so cool being friends with you for so long, because as you know, and um, I probably shared in another episode, so if you're a listener who has been with me for every single one. You've might've heard me touch on this. I'm just, I'm not much of a kitchen person, you know, thank God we have a Vitamix. And I actually, you know, I don't want to be too self-deprecating because I have come a long way in the last like four years, I would say the fact that I even am to a point where, you know, a couple times a week on a pretty regular basis, I'm actually with my hands, like cutting up the vegetables and making meals. That's huge for me because I never even saw myself um, doing that. And my mom throughout the years would be like, what do you even eat? Like, what are you eating? You don't cook. So what do you eat? Um, but I've been I, wondering the same thing Yeah. on
1: the drive over here. We saw these Texas barbecue spots. Yeah. A lot of them are incredible. And I was wondering to myself, I wonder what Alice needs.
0: Yeah. It's a little challenging out here because, you know, in downtown, as you know, there's so many incredible restaurants, so much good food to table and like really healthy stuff. But out here in Hill Country where we are, it's not as up to par um, restaurant wise. It's a little rougher. So yeah, we're getting by. Thank God the Whole Foods is close. Um, we do some food deliveries, and there's also some uh, really cool meal deliveries that we're, that we're working with because, uh, yeah, it's a little, little hard going out here. But I've always loved that for you. Yeah, the food. I mean, it's been such a huge part of your journey, and I know we're going to get to that a little bit more, uh, but I've always had a, a, a good sense of awe for any of my chef friends or people that just devote and love that ritual and that practice of being in the kitchen and creating meals for people. I don't know. I'm still to the point where there's not much more intimidating for me than knowing I'm going to have people over. And if I'm in charge of, you know, creating the different courses and then watching the people eat what I make, I don't know. I'm not to the point where I find enjoyment with that. I would much rather hire a chef And I can just be, you know, doing power animal readings and dancing in the yard or (laughs) whatever, you know. And
1: cheers to that clarity. Yeah, yeah, true. Knowing where your highest contribution is because it's so different for all of us. And Mm -hmm. it also changes as we move through different cycles of our lives. Yeah. You know, last Monday, I remember, you know, I have a long list of things that I can get to in my business. And I track it all in Trello, which kind of maps out just my brain and different visions and directions I have but I woke up and all I felt like was cooking and I cooked all day Mm. and I made so many different dishes and a soup and a liver pate and a vegetable dish. I mean, I picked all these things in
0: my garden and can't even imagine that they keep going.
1: It was fun. It was so, I felt so exhausted and joyful and complete by the end of the day. It really is this
0: creative process that when it calls me, the fulfillment of it is important. Wow. I literally cannot even comprehend spending a whole day in the kitchen making all sorts of different stuff. I don't even know what that's like, (laughs) but you love it. Are you singing? Do you have music playing? Are you more just like present with what you're doing? Does Eric ever help you? He's
1: usually the barbecue guy. So he'll just throw things on the grill, whether that's fish or meat or vegetables. And I'm the one making these insane salads and soups and other things. He's really, really good. We get this fish from Vital Choice that's all sustainably sourced and just so delicious and flash frozen because there's not a lot of fresh things we can get around where we live in the forest. So that is definitely saving grace. And I remember sometimes I'm practicing learning to ask and receive. Mm-hmm both with Source, but also with my partner. And I remember this one time I was just feeling, I think it might've been Valentine's Day. I asked him to make me a meal. I said, not just something that you throw on the grill, but an actually a complete meal. Mm. I would really like you to make me that. And he took delicata squash and cut it up and uh, roasted it in our little toaster oven. He made the fish and somehow the spicing he did, the time he put in the oven for... It was just the most heavenly meal ever. It was so satisfying and every bite just made me so present to love and connection wow. and gratitude. So sometimes, you know, with a little bit of a, a nudge, he definitely can make a lot of things. He was a, in a past life, was a raw vegan food chef. Mm. He's got so many chapters in his life. I remember when we first met and started discovering all these things about each other, like our interest in She took me to a shamanic journey on our second date. And our love for crystals was discovered on our first date. We went to a crystal shop on our first date. And our love for smoothies and butter coffee at the time, there's just so many interesting, very, very specific Mm -hmm. niche intersections that we both just couldn't believe. And I remember my mom would always tell me, and a lot of friends would tell me, because I think I was around 27 when I met him, everyone was saying that, you know, you're almost 30. You know, and uh, the guy you're going to meet is probably going to be a couple years older. So you better lower your standards. You have so many specificities about mm-hmm. your lifestyle and your desires and the thing you like. And I just wouldn't take it. Yeah. And I said, no, I'm not going to lower that. I'm just going to go full out. And so when I did meet Eric and on our third or fourth date, he made us this epic plant-based ice cream cake. And these, no uh, I think that was a little later. On our third or fourth date, he made us these uh, chocolate ghee truffles. Oh wow. And it was like spiced with a little bit of cayenne. That was just insane. So yes, my friends, if you're listening to this and you're calling something in, whether that's a partner or a friendship, sisterhood, a business opportunity, please trust mm-hmm. what feels aligned and expansive mm-hmm. because we're living in a world where, you know, there's some things that require compromise, but there's a lot of things that can be brought in from that divine pantry and be even more expansive than
0: we ever dreamed of. Yes, Aho, well, I second that fully, as you know, because I refuse to settle any of my standards and non-negotiables as well. And yes, it took me a while and it took a lot of years of celibacy and a lot of years of being single and just doing the deepest work of my life. But you know, it it worked and it paid off, you know. I'm absolutely with my you know most ideal divine sacred partner and we have so much fun and I'm so happy and I'm just I'm so grateful on a regular basis that I just never gave in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anything is possible. If Luke at 50 and me at I think when we met, I was forty-one. So forty-one and fifty is when he and I, you know, found mm. found our people, found mm. each other. So it was later on, but mm. it was worth to me. It was worth the wait, and I know it was to him too. Yes, so, yes. So I want to know, and I I want you to share with everyone else then how you got that clarity. You know, little girl in Russia. And yeah, you're watching, you know, the movies and the Smurfs and reading some books and things, but when did it get clear for you that you knew that you wanted to move to the U.S.? And how did you get to that clarity and also get to the courage and confidence to actually do it? Mm.
1: You know, growing up, I would go on vacations every summer, every year. And that was a time I would look forward to so much. I would count down the days. And one of the things I loved about going to Spain and Turkey and Egypt was that it was an opportunity for me to speak English to people and meet people from different countries with different backgrounds and from different cultures. And um, I somehow always felt more comfortable expressing myself in English than I did in Russian, even Mm -hmm. though Russian is such a beautiful and multidimensional language. And so that was definitely a sign, one of the first signs, and being, loving being around American people that I would meet in Moscow through different paths. And so I knew as as for as long as I can remember that I wanted to be where they speak English, where the yellow school buses are, <laughs> and the red beer pong cups. You know, I didn't have that kind of college experience. I've had my own adventures in Russia, but you know, you get the traditional American movie picture of youth life in Western countries, particularly in America. And there was a desire for, you know, the lockers in the school hallway. We didn't have anything like that. And so I remember the first direction I started looking in when I was starting to approach the end of high school um, was Italy. I knew I wanted to study fashion and there's a really famous fashion school in Italy. And so as soon as I started looking into that, I realized that you have to be 18 years old to even apply. Mm-hmm. And I was graduating when I was 16. And so I also at some point looked at studying hospitality business in the Netherlands and in Ireland, just because you know those were the close-by options for international people. And um, my parents and I sat down and decided, no, you know, since you can't apply because of your age, why don't you just get a college degree in Moscow? It's, you can get for a really, really into a really, really good school for free. And then we'll talk. If you still want to go somewhere for grad school, we'll talk then. And so I ended up studying business and political journalism in one of the top schools in Russia. And towards the end, it so happened that my dad was working for an American company, and they were sent to Houston for a few years. And my sister at the time had just gotten married and moved to—she met her ex-husband now— through Skype. Absolutely synchronistic, divine, random, crazy story. Oh, she was way ahead of the curve at that. She was. She really was. And so she was living in Mountain View in the Bay Area in California. And so by the time I was out of college, it was pretty easy for me to look into schools in America and end up coming to San Francisco to grad school. So that was my pathway to land on this land Mm -hmm. that wasn't the original plan because it was so far away and we didn't seem to have any connections, but then exactly in the moment I was graduating, this new chapter was opening up, just everything aligned perfectly in so many ways, financial standpoint, visa standpoint, just everything, the stars aligned so that I could be here.
0: And so you, was it challenging though, as clear as you were, because you had had this vision and this feeling since you were a little girl, Was it hard leaving? Oh, it was so hard. It wasn't hard leaving Russia, Mm -hmm. but it was really hard adapting to
1: American lifestyle.
0: Ah, so did that throw you? Because (laughs) there was something that you had wanted and then to struggle to click in. Right.
1: Well, I went to an art school. I went to Academy of Art University to get a fashion merchandising degree. And so I was surrounded by artists. The campus was in San Francisco. So it was an urban school. And it was a private school. And it wasn't like the movies. It was different. And somehow it took me a very long time to find my community in San Francisco. I never felt like I did. The only person, there's a few people that I met, but the one that I really connected with and stayed in touch is Abby Miller, who mm. in San Francisco in my school was my, one of my first yoga teachers. That's when I really discovered yoga and got into it. And It was tough there were so many times where i felt like i don't fit in and i remember when i first came to houston to spend a little bit of time on college break while i was still living in moscow i got an internship at uh, houston modern luxury magazine and i was so excited i couldn't believe they just read my resume from across the oceans and they accepted me to work for this you know respectable publication and I show up and they assign me to do fact-checking by phone. So in the middle of Houston, I have to pick up the phone, call these restaurants and say, hey, is it this kind of ribeye that you had on your menu? What kind of sauce was on top of it? You know. And as soon as I started doing it, I realized I don't understand a word they're saying. And I don't have enough of a vocabulary myself to communicate beyond what I knew in school. Because you know I was immersed into English language through my mom being an English teacher I passed all these tests to get into the American schools. I studied business English, uh, English literature, all of these formal English versions, but never casual English, especially with a Texan, heavy Texan accent. So that alone was tough. And there were so many times when I felt left out and alone and desperate. And it took a long time to find my community. And really not until New York, when I got into meditation and started going to harsh this meditation, David Wagner, who we both know, that
0: I truly started finding my community. Wow. I mean, what kept you staying strong though? Because those are some pretty heavy hits that you were taking that, you know, if you weren't able to find that deeper power inside of you, you could have easily just kind of thrown in the towel and just been like, well, I thought that the U S was for me. And I guess it's not, cause I'm still not clicking in here. Like I never really kind of was in, in Russia and I'm still not feeling at home here the way I always dreamt and thought I would. And, and so what kept you going to finally get to that place where you did eventually land and feeling like you were truly at home here?
1: You know, now I'm More and more present to the power of community and how that's the most important thing in my life but at the time i didn't see it as such for me i was just so focused on building my vision and my path which at the time i thought was high fashion and i did not end up moving to new york and getting these you know very high-paced internships at very well-known companies and doing the whole thing that you see in, you know, movies about fashion interns and I just stayed focused on my path. There was no going back. And even at a time when I got my dream job at the age of, I think I was 23, I was on paper, I was way underqualified, but I was so determined and so prepared that I ended up getting a job that was being a social media manager for a very big fashion brand at the time. And they agreed to apply for my work visa, which was a really big deal. And then within two months of working there and feeling like I'm really building something, so proud of myself, got myself an apartment next to Central Park and furnished it, and I'm so independent. And then I find out that the visa didn't go through, and I'm not going to get it, and I have sixty days to pack my bags and leave. Mm. So even then, I just said, the hits you know, kept coming. They kept coming. That people, people kept coming, angels dressed as humans and pointing me in the right directions one step at a time. Mm. Because at the in the moment of me learning that I have 60 days to pack my bags and leave, can't keep my job unless, according to multiple lawyers, I get married and get a green card that way, which was not an option. I considered it as an option for a hot second, but my parents said, absolutely not. We are not giving you money for that. And I didn't have the money to pay for it delete myself. that option. Yep. And, you know, there was no pathway that I could have pictured. I spoke to so many lawyers. There was no map for a situation like mine to be able to stay here. And step by step, just listening to divine whispers that oftentimes came through people I was connected to and just said yes to meeting up with for a reason I didn't understand in a moment, the pathway just created itself. And so that's something that definitely keeps coming up. And even in the moments of comfort where I feel like, mm, you know what, I know the next five steps of what I'm doing mm-hmm. in my business or in my personal life. Just this remembering that it's in the unknown where the most expansive mm-hmm. opportunities that exist and being open to hearing that guidance is a way that I
0: would like to continue living. Yeah, I'm so it's perfect the way that story unfolded because as you were sharing, I wanted to ask you, you know looking back in hindsight you know what was the teaching with you just taking hit after hit but then as you started to explain the next layer of all the angels coming in it wove perfectly to another question that i definitely wanted to ask you and it's around your ability that i have witnessed firsthand for a long time to truly live the way that I do totally by the calls and instruction and by the, the divine messagings from the unseen realms. And so it started to click in for me. Ah, it seems from my perspective and hearing you tell the story that all of those hits and that all of those angels coming in at a very, in your low twenties, you are already cultivating that ability to learn how to navigate through earth life from that place. Would you say that that's one of if you could look back and be like, "Huh, why why was it operating that way?" Do you think that that's one of the reasons why, or are there other reasons that reveal? Because hmm. that's a really interesting thing. You know, you had your intentions and your vision set for so long, and then to get over here, and it's just like you know, from one city and one location to the next, hmm. um, encountering some pretty big obstacles that you just kept going forward through. You know, I remember this feeling so clearly when I was
1: in between and there was no certainty whether I can stay or have to go. I was living on my friend's couch. I had to, you know, surrender my apartment. I didn't have a formal way of making money. I did always come up with ways to make money. (laughs) Um, There was this feeling of whenever I would just meet any Americans that were around my age, like going to college or getting a job or doing whatever, I had this feeling of, wow, they have such freedom. They're able to just be here without working for it. Mm. And they can do anything. They can get any job. This like total sense of possibility that I was desiring so much. And I kept seeing it and I kept holding it. And there was actually also a moment of surrendering the grip that I think played a big role in me being able to stay here. I remember I started just, you know, being realistic with myself. And thinking, what if, you know, what am I gonna do at the end of 60 days? There should be a movie called 60 Days One Day, maybe a book, we'll see. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, well, where would I go? Definitely don't wanna go back to Russia. I'm not ready to immerse myself in that. I never saw myself in that society. I would go to Bali. I could be a photographer. I could be a yoga instructor. I could be meditating on the beach and connecting with people and ecstatic dancing. And that possibility and, realizing that there are other options Mm. that could be exciting. It's helped me release the grip a little Uh bit. And I think that's what created the opening and the space for me to be guided to stay here, which was through going to a full-time ballet school. And I had never done ballet until that point (laughs) in
0: my life. I loved that that was like your ticket to staying was you becoming a ballerina when you had never done ballet in your life. Yep. I mean, it's just, it really is like a movie or a book. It's so wild. My mom,
1: my whole life made fun of me for not being very graceful. Like if I'm walking through a narrow space, probably something will fall just because, you know, I don't know. Uh, the bowl in the a big china presents. shop kind of thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then I end up doing ballet full time. That was definitely very funny. Oh
0: my gosh. So good. And so I think it would be really helpful because you've had so many different career iterations and I don't have a, a clear idea where I, I exactly want to take this part of the question. So just tune in and take it where you feel um, would be most of service. But you know, you've know, you already touched on your pathway through the fashion industry and, and high fashion. And you also touched on you know your previous Instagram account and business, which was Breakfast Criminals, which really took off and and was a very large platform and and recognized and honored in a lot of different ways. Um, but yet, you at one point got the clear call to pivot away from that and change that handle and kind of you know shut that that business down and and so. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know where exactly I want to go with this, but just the fact that you have made so many strong and clear pivots, and you know now you do these offerings, which I have myself have immersed into, which you call a digital attunements, which is a mixture of energy work and social media strategy, which is so powerful. And you have a really um, powerful business that solely focuses on helping. People with their social media, in terms of their brands and businesses. So, yeah, how have you maneuvered so clearly and strongly when you make these maneuvers? Are you are fears coming up? Are you having to transcend and transmute and do a lot of work, or are they just these seamless pivots? What has that journey been like for you? I feel like that's a good question to my
1: partner. Mm. You know, we seem Get Eric I on the mic to have a very selective memory ah every day i uncover more things that had happened in my life and i'm like wait what this was me kind of separate myself from a lot of experiences mm. that don't seem to serve me anymore but what i'm called to share in the context of what you're talking about is you know with the social media work i originally started with me finding my own sense of belonging when i was still living in russia and i had all of these interests in fashion and photography and philosophy and poetry. And I started a blog where I combined all of those things. And I knew some people in my college were following it and loving it. And for me, it was such a beautiful way to express myself and be inspired by others and combine all of these interests. And so for me, I really found myself piece by piece by sharing myself, somehow voicing it and my self-expression existing out in the world and interacting with other other energies gives me more clarity around where I'm going. And somehow that's always been, there's like a chip in my mind that just is able to translate what is happening in this now moment into the digital world that feels very joyful and exciting. And I remember the moment where I realized that I would love to help others step into social media clarity and how they express their medicine in the world is when Breakfast Criminals was taking off and opening up so many doors for me, ultimately creating a pathway for me to leave the fashion world and be full-time blogging and social media consulting and, you know, building my public career. I realized that a lot of people who were my teachers in the mindfulness and spiritual space, they had the desire and the calling to share their medicine, but they didn't have the tools. And the way that they thought about social media was not aligned with the integrity of what they're teaching, whether Mm. that's because it's an ancient teaching that's been passed down in person and that's the tradition or because they just haven't seen anyone else do it and they don't know how to. Mm -hmm. So I just felt like a calling. I felt like it was my mission to be this translator and this person who empowers those healers, those conscious entrepreneurs, people who are committed to earth, people making a difference in all kinds of ways to share their medicine in the world through finding comfort with expressing our medicine in the digital world. And that's what I did for myself too. That's how Breakfast Criminal started. I was just sharing what brought me to it. At the time, it was superfood smoothie bowls and a heart bowl and things I was learning about meditation. And there
0: was wasn't really a filter. I was sharing what was coming up, and I think, and there was a powerful story, you know, personal story attached to all that through you overcoming your heartbreak. So many and heartbreaks, and, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so many, so many heartbreaks, and so many invitations to learn that
1: I am my own source of love and belonging, and not someone outside of me. And Eric is my first relationship that supports me in my own sovereignty within within my own. Relationship with Source and finding love within instead of sourcing it Mm -hmm. in Him. And we do that for each other, and it's been one of the most empowering things I've experienced. But with today's social media scene and digital world scene, I think the reason why a lot of us oftentimes feel confused or cluttered energetically or in our brains with how to show up is not because we're not connected to our medicine and what we're meant to share but we're just so distracted by how it's been done how to do it in a way that will bring money how to do it in a way that will be respectable and good and we're gonna some book deal whatever
0: those things are and it especially gets tricky with the clients that you work with you know because it is a very unique path when you're trying to balance Spiritual pathways with entrepreneurship and that balance of, you know, money and income with being a healer. And there's just so many layers and nuances with it. So many layers. So, really, in those digital attunement sessions or any
1: group sessions that I've been doing a lot for different masterminds and things like that, it's social media is this tip of the iceberg, it's this point of access into limiting beliefs and stories that are ready to be shed. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of times I'll leave people with, I like to get an idea of all of the revenue streams and the business so that there's a clear picture so that when we're getting to the tip of the iceberg of how it's expressed, there's a deeper understanding of where's the business at? Where are we going? What makes you joyful? What makes you feel expansive? Why are you showing up in the first place? Are you meant to? Because not everyone is meant to.
0: I think that's such a good point because there's so much pressure to feel Mm. like, you have to, because it seems like everyone else is, but it, yeah, it may not be. Exactly. For you. So the way that I've been experiencing it is
1: clarity and simplicity is really the answer. You know, when I look back at anything I've created that has been successful through digital means, it's because I heard the whisper and I showed up I before any brain filters and stories would come in mm. and put its own spin on it. So the more I can be a portal of clarity and simplicity and joy for others to remember their medicine and share from that place, whether that means posting 10 stories every day or showing up once a month, but really doing it from a place of a full cup. Yeah, that's what I'm here to do. You know, the past few weeks, I have not been called to show up and I'm really honoring that. And I don't know why and I don't know what's next. But that's what feels good. And, you know, thanks to podcasting, I love podcasting. There's a whole archive of teachings and things. And I know that if someone finds me through social media, they can always go and re-listen and get so much, so many transmissions mm-hmm. through already existing materials.
0: Hey, beautiful soul fam. I just wanna take a moment to remind you that the biggest project of my entire career, my first book, Animal Power is now available. This book is truly lifetimes in the making and this lifetime I worked on it for over four years. So needless to say, I am very honored and excited that it is now available to be in your home, in the homes of your friends so thrilling. Animal Power Book is brimming with 100 different vibrant animal illustrations, transformative practices, and captivating stories from around the world. It is an enlightening guide to the power of the animal realm and how they bring peace, healing, and empowerment to your life. It is truly such a powerful and loving medicine book. My life was completely transformed by working with power animals. And it was actually them who came to me and asked me to co-create this very book with them. And the art for each of the 100 animals is stunning and vibrant and embodied. The artist William Santiago of Brazil actually passed away at the young age of 30 right after completing the works of art held in Animal Power. So i want to honor and thank him for sharing his legacy within these pages you can go and get your copy of animal power and a copy for your friends and family it's available everywhere books are sold but if you get it now at my website which is allisoncharles.com backslash animal power you will get a free video guided shamanic journey facilitated by me where you will meet your current power animal it is a perfect gift, so any animal or spirituality lovers out there, you know you can grab a copy of Animal Power for them for their birthday, Halloween, Christmas, etc. So much love, SoulFam, and to all of you who have already purchased your copy, thank you with all of my heart for your support. Animal Power Book has regularly been the number one new release on Amazon. I could not be more grateful. Yeah. I love that point too. And you know, just as much as anyone, uh, the breaks that I've taken, you know, mm-hmm. since, cause you, you also know my resistance to like even starting it. I was definitely one of those people that was super slow to the Instagram game. I was just kind of praying it away. I was like, whatever this whole social media thing is, that's activating, like, please make it stop. And then when I would saw, saw, I was only, you know, growing and getting bigger and certainly not going away. I just, it was with a lot of resistance and reluctance that I even entered in. And so it's definitely been a very medicinal, many rites of passage journey for me. And I do now feel in a, in a clear and cohesive and healthier place with it, but it took years of work and yeah, sifting through things. And also, I mean, there have been multiple times where I've taken one month breaks sometimes three month breaks. I think the longest I ever went was about three and a half months without posting anything. I just, um, and it's been quite some time since I've taken a break like that because now I feel a lot more honed in and dialed into a healthier system of delivering content and, and yeah, having that clarity and keeping it simple and things like that. But it, it took me a long time. So for anyone listening who, yeah, it just feels like you've had a real, you know, ocean wave of an up and down or a rocky journey with finding your voice or finding just how you want to show up with social media. Um, you know, if you do feel in the deeper part of you that it, it is meant for you and it is, uh, meant to be part of your career path, you know, I, I am a living testament that if you just stick with it and, you know, like I said, I had, I have done one of those, uh, digital attunement sessions with Ksenia. And now I have, you know, a couple people on my team that help keep this rhythm going for me. I still write all the copy, but I have my graphic design person and I have people that send me content ideas based upon articles I've written or things in my book. And so now it, it's less of a pressure because it, it really is another full-time job. And when you're balancing so many hats as an entrepreneur and also doing healing work for others and healing work for the planet. It's just, it's a lot. Mm, It really is. And I think
1: oftentimes we get so distracted by this need of showing up on social media that we forget to contribute to our body of work that will have a more long-term impact, such as taking a break to write a book, creating a podcast that is much more evergreen than, let's say, Instagram or even you know looking back on the breakfast criminals business the website still exists and is its own entity if i were to go back in time i would dedicate more time to developing the website and building my seo even more so early on than showing up so much on instagram because ultimately no one's going to scroll you know past your nine squares or maybe 18 squares you know maybe a little more if they're really obsessed with your work and they just found you But there's something to be said about really allocating
0: our energy to places that do have those longer term Mm -hmm. ripples. And I had such a scare happen to me. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That sound is exactly the sound. Oof. Uh, I forget how long ago it was, maybe a year ago at this point. But yeah, I was down in Mexico. Actually, it was a couple of months ago. I remember you calling me. Just a couple of months ago. (laughs) Right. Time warp. (laughs) It's yeah. Um, it's it was so trippy, and I've never told this story publicly, actually. Um, but I was down on a trip uh, to uh, pl- uh, one of our favorite places on the planet, Queixmala, with Luke. Yeah, long story short, because it's just like would take way too long to get into all the details, but. We went to dinner one day and a mutual friend of ours, Nicole Sweet, shouts to Nicole, love you, sister. She texted me and she was like, hey, sister, are you okay? I just want to check on you because this is what shows up when you go to your Instagram. And it was just like empty and like no user found. And my account had just vanished, poof, Mm. in one second my entire body of work, like, and I'm not one of those people that, like I said, I write my own copy. I come up with everything that I share. And so even though I was resistant and reluctant and just really am not, I'm not really a person who still loves social media at all. But even with all that being said, when it went away, it was so confronting and such a medicine journey for me, because it made me realize and reflect back on like, all the soul and heart pouring into, um, each post and all the ancient wisdom shared and just all the time spent time and energy that goes into just one post, you know, just everything with the picture and everything with the copy and just the, and how much of your
1: identity wrapped up in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it was it was really wild and i i you know maybe in another episode i'll get into like the full story because it is pretty trippy just some of the bizarre details and i don't know that i'll ever know for sure why it vanished and and what exactly happened i have my own trippy cosmic theories around it. And that's the part that I don't have time to get into right now. We were it when I interview for my podcast. Okay. There we go. We can get into it. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, you know, I, I don't know. It'd probably be very good to reveal my source, but thank God I had a close friend who was able to get through some doors that not many people can get through. And my account was able to be recovered, but man, it took it being, you know, took it getting vanished for me to realize, um, exactly what you just said. I was like, wow, I need to focus on building my email list because, you know, so many of these, you never know because we it's yes, we're writing it and we think we own the content, but we don't own the platform. And at any time, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all these places like can just yank and make your account go away for no, with no notice and no reason at any second. Mm. And so, yeah, diversifying your platform and, and, you know, I am grateful that now I have Ceremony Circle and Animal Power Book and all of these things where people can find me and learn the medicine and purity of me and, and all of that, because yeah, I'm, I mean, it happened to me. Well, like went to dinner, found out my Instagram was just gone. Mm -hmm. That was wild. There's something that sounds so liberating about that. It was there was that part too, and I'm glad you brought that in because some of my friends who are really good at cranking out content, they're like, "Oh my god, you know, what are you gonna do? You, gonna? you know," because I was just kind of like, you know, maybe this is meant to be, you know, that surrendered state that I flow in and live in. And so much energy
1: freed up. What are you gonna do?
0: Totally, totally. And and I said that to one of my friends who's like a content genius. She's like, no, we've got to fight. You know, we've got to get this account back. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's, I'm just not meant to be on Instagram anymore. And, and I I think I'm okay with that. And I am glad, you know, and, and through a bit of her, her pizzazz and her like warrior energy, you know, she helped me to of look into getting it back. And I am glad that I got it back, but I did arrive to that place where I truly, you know, was just like at peace with it. And I thought, you know what, maybe this is a sign I'm to put my energy and time and effort somewhere else. And maybe I am to pivot away from Instagram. I did get there. Because when we
1: have created a certain digital footprint and people know us for certain things, it's, it's like an elephant or a rhino that, is a little harder to pivot because it's bigger, you know, it's more defined. And that's certainly how I felt having run Breakfast Criminals for seven or eight years and then receiving the call to shift it and then taking almost a year to figure out a way to change a verified Instagram handle. Apparently it's not that
0: easy to get in through someone at Instagram and actually request the change. Yeah. So just, I mean, this is just like a good tangible earth-based Instagram tip and I learned it from you going through that process and you texting me about it. Yeah. If you, if you're someone that has a verified account and all of a sudden you get a really cool new handle that downloads in and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel really clear. I want to change my platform over to that. If you just go on your own and change your handle to something new and you've, your old veri- account was verified, the verification doesn't just automatically change over. You have to go through a whole process. And you can't even physically change it.
1: So you know, it's not just that you will change it and lose verification. You can't change it.
0: Uh, I see. Okay.
1: You know, I'm very much inspired by changing the names because I think they're these containers uh, that hold the transformations we're going through. And we've talked about this before in my podcast with you, where changing our social media handles, changing our business names, it is an energetic shift that holds space for so much more than that. And to me, it feels so exciting and joyful to play with names and the energies of them and the textures that they offer. Recent name change of a public figure that I just love is Padidi. What's you know, what that? Is his new name?
0: Puff Daddy. Oh, oh, got it. Yeah, yeah. You know what he Your Russian accent threw me off there for it a second. It really came
1: in there for a second, yeah. <laughs> I discovered him when I was living in Russia, and one of the American shows I was watching was... Where he finds talent. Oh, I think it was like
0: making the band. Making the band,
1: yes. And that was good I show. always anytime I'm in New York and I see a helicopter, I imagine that's PDD looking for talent. So he's no longer PDD. <laughs> so good. What is he it? He now
0: goes by love. I did not know this. I love that. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Now now I'm inspired to look it up when we wrap this interview.
1: And I have a an intuitive feeling that connection with source is whether that's through plant medicines Mm. or other ways is one of the inspirations for the shift because I think a lot of us are feeling that and a lot of us are answering the call to step into that and
0: embody that more and more. That is definitely true. So before we go over into one of your other powerful pivots in your personal life and your business. And it's one of, if not my favorites, hashtag tiny cabin, New York life. Before we go over into that world and also start to talk more about your divine partnership with Eric, is there anything else Um, because I want to give any cool tips, social media wise, that you think would be helpful to Mm -hmm. the soul fam sitting with us. Like, I know that you use social media as a manifestation tool. And the other thing, just by being your friend for so long that, and you know, on all these trips to Nicaragua and different things, I always say to you, I'm like, how are you just so fast and clear with getting content? Like, to me, it's just such a stressful process. And like, I get, you know, stressed if the picture isn't turning out the way that I thought. And you just seem so clear and dialed in and you just can so seemingly effortlessly crank out content. Like how Mm. do you do that? How are you so fast and clear?
1: Mm. Practice for sure. But also I think the way that it has worked for me that is applicable to others is just really being present to what feels joyful. Okay. In this physical realm and then seeing how can we capture that. And then put our phone away and get back in the moment. Mm. And releasing the shoulds, the coulds, and just really noticing what feels alive and present. And as soon as we allow ourselves to do that and just share what is actually on our hearts, what's feeling alive, what's in our minds, what's coming up in conversations, and come from that place, it really just creates such freedom
0: and shifts the energy so much. Hmm, that's helpful. And then my last question is where do you think social media is going? Is Instagram phasing out? You know, there's so many different mm. theories. Uh, you know, I got on TikTok. I haven't posted a TikTok in probably six months. <laughs> but, you know, when I was posting, you know, I got a, you know, pretty nice following pretty quickly, but you blew up. I don't even, know. are you like almost to, to a million at this point?
1: I've had a couple of big spurts with, you know, some of it was with the tiny cabin us renovating it and some of the storytelling around it, some of the horror stories around moving to the tiny cabin, mm-hmm. and the biggest viral video was power animal, a power animal, an alpaca yeah. that was chewing its food on camera. That got over fifty
0: million views and that brought a lot of followers. And so. I mean, but you you have like four hundred thousand, something like that. Something like that. And you you haven't been on it all that long. So yeah, what are your thoughts in terms of, and if you don't, you know, have any theories, all good, but do you think Instagram's holding strong or is it kind of dwindling away? Is TikTok gonna keep growing? What are your thoughts? You know, Instagram is always trying
1: to catch up with TikTok. And now YouTube also has shorts. So from what I See from a strategic standpoint, short form video content will be ruling for a while across all platforms. Mm. And I have a feeling that longer form video content will also be coming back, even though our attention span is very short now. We know that TikTok is going to be increasing the length of videos people can post. And I think there will be a desire to be able to sit down and enjoy a piece of content instead of scrolling, 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 like Mm -hmm. that anxious energy. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, you know, it's so interesting having blown up and grown large followings across different platforms and then realizing that just blowing up a couple of times and like getting a couple hundred thousand followers or a verified account doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Like it maybe sounds cool. and may be impressive for a second, but it doesn't provide ongoing revenue streams.
0: It doesn't provide ongoing brand partnerships. So you haven't seen an uptick because you've also, so for me, uh, just to give the listeners context for me and with Instagram, especially I'm very selective and I, and I've, it very infrequently work with brands in terms of like paid partnerships and paid posts on instagram sometimes i will and it's like only if the brand is super aligned spiritually based you know good strong ethos things like that um that's just you know what seems to click in best for me but you've always been so good with brand partnerships and deals mm-hmm. over on instagram so with tiktok even though you've got this like almost half million following you haven't seen like any sort of crazy shift in in that you know, there's two things that I'm called to share
1: with that. One is that I'm also very selective with who I work with. And about a year and a half ago or so, I was very comfortable within my brand partnership business, creating content for brands, having done it for so many years, being one of the first people I know to do that, to charge brands for posting before you could do hashtag ad or hashtag sponsor. Mm -hmm. That was not a thing. And I just was noticing that that part of my business wasn't feeling as exciting. I was feeling a little bit stretched like a stretch. And I just felt the desire and heard the whisper to pull the rug from under my feet and diversify my business very intentionally. So I took on six months of no sponsored posts at all so that I pushed myself to develop my consulting And coaching and online courses that have to do with conscious social media. And it worked. It Mm. really worked. And I love that strategy. Yeah, it was scary, but there were a couple of, and there were a couple of times actually the day before it was March 1st when I was starting the experiment for six months. You got a
0: carrot dangling test.
1: I got a deal that was so aligned. It was a B Corp. It was a brand I've already worked with. I love and use their product all the time. It's so easy to do. It's been so easy. I love creating content. And it was just like,
0: you yes. already made that Spirit commitment said, No, so. I made the commitment. Oh, it's happening. Gosh.
1: That's so good. So that's the one piece that I want to share. And the other piece that is really important to bring up is that, you know, having a couple of viral videos doesn't mean you're going to continue getting lots of views. The way that the algorithms work, you just got to keep creating incredible content for people mm-hmm. to stay engaged. So even though some of my videos have millions and millions of views, that's not the typical viewership. So one of the uncomfortable places that I've been invited into is to recalibrate my definition and my valuation of success, understanding that even if a video gets a thousand views on a large account, those thousand people, or like maybe there's just one person within that thousand that got that message, received it deeply, carried through the world. And it made a huge ripple that... You know, created a food forest, and also being present to the very exciting idea that so many brands and corporations are waking up to a more conscious way of doing business, and they do feel the texture and the integrity of what I offer, and that alignment. If it's meant to happen, it's going to happen, no matter what the views are, because the valuation is different. It's not, and the amount of money I'm going to bring them necessarily, or the amount of views, but there's this depth, this multidimensionality that goes beyond the traditional, you know, how many likes, how many views what's the engagement percentage. There's so much more than that. I've had so many situations that I've noticed in my own life and in my clients' lives that, you know, you put out a piece of content and it feels like no one sees it and you put all of this energy into it. And then the one person who comments on it ends up getting you your dream book deal or inviting you into this luxurious trip that you end up writing about and having a spiritual awakening at, you know? So
0: true. Oh God, I love that you brought it back to that. Cause yeah, especially in just the way we get conditioned over here and especially with social media Mm -hmm. being a big part of almost everyone's world. Yeah, or just unconsciously and consciously, we get so pulled and skewed over into like the big number factor. And then if that's not there, there's this
1: shame Mm -hmm. and that ends up impacting how we allow ourselves to show up. And that's just like such low frequency that is so unnecessary for all of the healers listening to this. I know because this comes up for me and all of my clients that I speak with. And so this recalibration and realizing for me, the new definition of successful content is that. I was fully present in the moment of its creation. I heard the divine whisper to bring this out into the world and I answered it. And what happens beyond that is not up to me. It's yeah. none of my business. My divine moment was
0: receiving it, putting it out there. Everything else is not part of that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Scott. And just a small little example of the same sentiment, you know, Luke and I just gave. Our first, like, live actual people in the audience uh, talk together at the Modern Nirvana Conference just last night. By the time this airs, it would have been a few weeks ago. But we gave a talk on Higher Power Couple for Cosmic Codes for Divine Partnership. And I was pretty clear that when we got to Cosmic Code number two, uh, I felt called to weave in a mini guided shamanic journey where I would drum and Luke would rattle. And um, it was intriguing because typically, you know, my shamanic journeys are at minimum 25 to 30 minutes just because you know I'm getting the the container set and the energetic field set and getting people into their hearts and You know, I want people to have the most immersive, let go, fully receive what medicine and messages want to come in experience. But for this one, because it's in the midst of a talk, uh, you know, I knew it had to be the shortest shamanic journey I'd ever guided people (laughs) on. It was like, you know, a three or four minute journey. But I was like, you know what? There was something just really urging me to still do it. And exactly for what you just said, I thought, you know, out of everyone in the audience, if there's just one person in that shortest shamanic journey ever, um, that I've led who gets that one lightning bulb moment or that one download or moves that piece of emotion that had been lodged in since, you know, the second day they were on incarnated on earth, whatever it is, it's worth it. And sure enough, uh, it was just fascinating because after the talk, and speaking with people that had been in the audience, they were just like, oh my gosh, like I received so much in that short journey. I wish the drumming part could have been longer because I got this clarity, this awareness. And this one guy who was so new and never done a journey, you know, was sharing about like the color healing that came in and he had an emotional opening and that was really powerful for him. And so, um, so yeah, I just want to reaffirm the point that you were bringing in that if you feel truly called, don't put your pressure, pressure on yourself for it to like, you know, have a certain number value attached or whatever. And sometimes you will hear from those people who will say yeah.
1: this moved something in me. And a lot of the times you never will. Yeah. So it takes, it takes this unwavering trust totally. that the ripples are being made
0: where they're meant to. Yes. And that's it. And, and that's the journey of being a medicine person and trusting the medicine mm-hmm. way and knowing that those medicine ripples are going to mm-hmm. serve, like when you live from that surrender place, they're going to do exactly what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So let's pivot now to... Tiny cabin life, slash, being with Eric Brief and merging all of that together. I mean, I know it's such a journey because you guys have such a cool story in terms of how you met and you actually, you actually touched a little bit about, you know, those first few dates, but it's been such an incredible, I just love you two together so much. And we all used to live in, in Brooklyn in different neighborhoods and different apartments, but like, you know, when I would come over to the place that you and Eric shared, I love that space by the way. And just, I've just always had so much fun being around the two of you. He is such a colorful, unique, artistic quirky, no frills, like blunt, hilarious, smart guy. He's, he's, he's an odd man in the best way. And just so fun to see you guys getting like richer and stronger with your union. And then, yeah, you guys, you, you guys were ahead of the the curve in terms of like exiting out of New York city Mm -hmm. and going into the wilderness. And, um, yeah, starting that whole wild adventure. It was very medicinal for you because I remember you were wanting to bolt on that project at one point. I was ready to be out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember when our lease was coming to an end a few months before that, we realized that and started discussing what's next. And I didn't know what was next going back to that unknown and trusting one step at a time. And I just said, why don't we not renew it? We can go anywhere. We can do anything. We're both digital business owners. What can we do? How playful can we get with this? And Eric was obsessed with tiny homes at the time. And we ended up finding this piece of land in the Catskills. And when we visited it, there's a tree that spoke to me. I believe it's a balsam fir. I just recently got an app identifies all the plants and we've been just obsessing <laughs> over it over our 12 acres and it spoke to me i took a piece of it that was on the ground i put it on my altar and i said tree if we're Ooh, meant I to <laughs> if we're meant to be your stewards let us know Ooh. and so that it stayed on our altar for some time and it was a yes even though it was a tiny house that was more like a bungalow slash hunting cabin and it wasn't new either It was not new. I believe it was built in the 70s. No one had ever lived in it full time. And it was not meant to be lived in full time. You could, but it wasn't really set up that way. But it had electricity, it had running water, it had wild berries. So we just went for it. And uh, the whole move was very dramatic and extremely difficult. And within the first week of being there, we went to Aniwa. And I just wanted to be out of there, all of the and the problems with the siding and
0: just how tiny the space was. And also being confronted, I remember such a huge piece was realizing there was no way until you guys completely renovated that you could be there in the winters because you would freeze Mm. to death and it wasn't properly insulated. We didn't realize we needed to buy a driveway.
1: (laughs) We couldn't even get up our own driveway the night we moved. So we had to sleep. I don't know. It was horrifying. And that's one of the things that went viral on TikTok because people love some drama. but. Nature is just so gorgeous there, and you know. Within the first winter, we ended up going to Argentina and spending the winter in Argentina, and also traveling across the U.S. a little bit, going to the Gem and Mineral Show in Arizona. That's right. Visiting Nashville, feeling out if that was meant to be a spot for us, it was not. And then coming back to the tiny cabin and making it a tiny palace, and life just worked out in such a way that we had the opportunity to do so, and I end up working with a lot of awesome and super aligned brands along the way with that renovation. And it was featured in Apartment Therapy that was so fun. And actually that was filmed the weekend of a plant medicine journey that I was on. And I was just so rooted in this intention to whatever I say, whatever I film, I just want to transmit love,
0: Mm. you know? (laughs) I was like,
1: maybe the words will land with some people, but really I just want to spread
0: love. Yeah, no better, bigger transmission than that. Yes, my gosh, yeah. And you guys completely transformed that place. And so, where are you at with it now? So we're over the tiny life. Oh yeah, so over it. We're
1: so grateful to be there, and we've really been able to expand it. We have a separate building that's our offices, Mm -hmm. and Eric just finished building this huge workshop. That's his ultimate dream. He can make these huge origami sculptures. And you have all that land. And we have all that land. So we could build anything. But as we move into the chapter of our lives, where we are talking about expanding our family, what we're realizing is how far we are from community. And so that's one of the reasons we are in Austin to
0: look into whether that's meant to be our next spot. I'm sending like such beaming, clear prayers that it comes <laughs> into alignment for you guys to to be here. But of course, I ultimately just want you guys to go where you're just going to flourish and just, yeah, just in all the ways be in your most nourished, joyous, strongest place. But man, mm. I hope it works out for you guys to come here. Yeah. And so if you find, you know, whether it's here or somewhere else, do you guys intend to keep your place up there or... That's one of those one step at a time. Okay. I really don't know. It's just
1: such a special piece of land that we're so lucky to be stewards mm-hmm. for. There's really nothing like it. There's mountains, there's all of these animals, there's this incredible privacy and there's incredible soil for growing food. And it's very unique. So I think it's just gonna depend on, you know, we had this thought of inviting in a friend who's a brilliant farmer to make a farm out of it, mm-hmm. maybe add the couple of alpacas. And develop Mm. land that way and rent it out while we're not there or maybe you know we spend some time in austin and go there for the summer because the summers are and fall is also so beautiful Mm, there so it is we're just you know we want to hold on to it because it is so special but also if we're not meant to
0: that's part of the deal right yeah if your journey is in stewarding that land was meant to just Turn it over in the way that you guys did, and then hand the pass the baton to the next steward. Yeah, Yeah, I guess that will reveal Oh my goodness. And so, can we talk about speaking of powerful land? You know where I'm going to to pivot this next with. So, yeah, I know, right? So, a little bit of context. So, I yeah, I have known uh, Ksenia, you know, since before she and Eric got together, and then watching them you know, just get closer and the relationship, um, get stronger and stronger, inevitably sensing, you know, this was definitely going to engagement and and marriage and, and all of these things. And I mean, the engagement story is cool too. I don't know if we yeah, you know, feel called or have time to share that, but ultimately recently it culminated to, and I guess I'll let you take it away because it's so powerful. I actually don't want to do much of the, of the telling. I'm just grateful that I was a part of it in, in some small way. And we'll just say the second that the zoom camera video turned on and I saw where you two were for, um, for your marriage, I was blasted open instantly and blown away by where you guys were at. So I will let you share more about mm. that story. Yeah, Londolosi in South Africa.
1: We we're so lucky to have our wedding ceremony there and so lucky to have you as one of our beautiful blessers mm-hmm. of the ceremony. And you know, I learned about Londolosi through Boyd Vardy,
0: who I believe has been on your podcast. He has. I forget which episode. Um maybe episode 13. Uh, but yeah, uh I think it's like um, na- navigating your inner, and ah, I forget the title of it, but yes, the, the he's the only is Boyd, Bart. so you can yes. find him. Yeah,
1: so I got introduced to Boyd through our mutual friend Jasmine, and he I started reading his book, Cathedral of the Wild, where he speaks of this magical land that his family owns. You should really go and listen to Boyd's interview because it's an incredible story. The way teller. he describes it, it just is so beautiful and multi-layered. And so I've been hearing about the land for a long time. And then at some point I also put the two together that one of my indirect mentors, Martha Beck, whose books I've been reading for years and years, who's been such a source of my own connection with myself and my spirituality and my aliveness. She is his direct mentor in this physical realm and putting together that the magical land and the animals that she mentions in her books were actually Londoloji, the place where Boyd grew up and made my interest in going there stronger and stronger and stronger. And so in January, I was in a medicine ceremony where we've been tiptoeing. We've been engaged for a couple of years and we've been tiptoeing around marriage for a while. And there's just something that wasn't moving us forward. It was busy with renovation and, you know, then COVID and this and that. And within that ceremony, it just became clear how meant to be we are on this path of supporting each other and serving each other and walking together. And that we're meant to bring a soul into this world or a couple, we'll see, whatever's meant to be. And that's when I got the hit, you know, let's mm. do this. And so then, as soon as I start thinking about what's possible within the circumstances we're working with, uh, with the support of our other dear friend, Hillary Pearlson, who does Akashic Records readings, she really helped us hold the wildest vision. You know, what is the vision? The name for the vision was adventure of a lifetime. Mm. And so we were visioning within that realm. And what came up was the ultimate vision would be going to Londolozi. Sounded crazy. You know, South Africa was not in the best place at the time. And I just knew it was the right place. And even though there were obstacles getting there, we were not put on the airplane. I thought we're not going to make it there. It was a whole thing with additional testing that was required last minute. We made it there. We arrived. We had our wedding there. And, you know, to be honest with you, the wedding looked super magical and I didn't really feel present in my body for it. I think it was just like so much tension of what was happening that after the wedding is when i really was able to soften into Mm. where we were and feel the land
0: Mm. and
1: i got a bunch of massages and body work at the healing house while i was there and i was kind of pretty complete with massages but eric said you know i got a massage with christina you have to see her you have to get a massage with christina before we leave so i scheduled a massage a massage. I thought it was a massage for the morning that we we're about to leave, right? Before we, you know, grab our lunch, hop on the little plane, and then another plane, and then another plane. And I walk into that room, and she welcomes me with the most loving energy. There's crystal salt lamps and the most wonderful music playing. And I just said, I would like to be nourished and, you know, restored and relaxed. And she went into the massage and every touch felt so nourishing. And then at some point, the trippiest thing happened. Trippiest is not even the right words. It was the most cosmic and at the same time earthly and multidimensional and awakening thing that happened where at some point it felt like I wasn't even sure if I was in my body. Mm. It was this vibration, she had put her hands on my head and was saying words that I wasn't understanding, speaking energy, very, very potent energy. I didn't know if she was actually doing it in the physical realm or I was just picking something up from other realms. But those words was just like full body goosebumps. Where's my soul? Where's my body? What's happening? And there was like, for a moment, there was this fear of, Oh my gosh, am I leaving my body? Like what's going on this like having to hold on kind of like it is in ceremony journeys where we're wondering can we let go? How much can we let go? Is it safe to let go? What's happening? Well, I just transitioned to back? the other realms, exactly. Exactly. I just got married, you know, all these things. And it was this moment of profound fear, elation, excitement, love, and it's in that moment that I felt a male presence in the room. And I felt that the male presence was working with Christina, who was holding very feminine energy. And I just felt so suddenly safe when I saw them together and I felt them together. And I just surrendered and I let go. And then very shortly after she said, okay, this is complete. When you're ready, I'll meet you on the terrace. So I'll make you a cup of tea. And I just get up and I'm not sure what world I'm in, what just happened. I just felt like that was one of the most profound experiences out of all the different journeys I've been on that i would ever had. And when I came out on that balcony, she's standing there in her human form and I'm seeing her so beyond the human that she's, I'm seeing all the light that she brought in and all of the yes that she has to source to trust and channeling it. And I'm just like, who are you? What just happened? And who was the man and she very casually, but very gently says, oh yeah, I work with Jesus. <laughs> and in that moment, I'm standing there on the terrace. I can't even look at the tea or think about anything physical. I just start bawling. Mm-hmm. I almost fall down mm-hmm. to the ground mm-hmm. and I'd never had any encounters with that energy. And I was just alive. Mm-hmm. I was held. I was loved. Mm-hmm. I felt alive. and. I couldn't oh. believe that all of these circumstances had come together. And in that moment, I had this crazy thought that the reason for my visit here and the reason for everything that has led up to this was masquerading for me to have this moment. Wow. And then the moment I went back to the room all in tears and I was like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? Like, Are you okay? I had some sage that I felt to, called to give to the land for the reason of ritual, but also I didn't want it to look like weed and be stopped at the customs. And so there's this huge balcony in our beautiful room. And I walk to the edge in a certain place and I give the sage to the earth and to the beautiful, powerful land. And then I look down to see where it went. And there's this huge, gorgeous ostrich feather, exactly where I'm standing out of all the balcony space. so I climb down, I, you know, get the feather and it's still on our altar. And it was this exchange with the land. Mm -hmm. And also one other thing happened actually on my journey from the healing house back to the room. On my way to South Africa, I was re-listening to Finding Your Way in a Wild New World by Martha Beck, where she talks about being at Londolozi and this funny moment. Martha Beck is such a hilarious writer. And she talks about how she was walking at Londolozi and all of these monkeys started fighting over who's courageous enough to touch this huge human. And they kind of like would go up to her and then almost touch her and then run away. And I was thinking to myself on that plane ride to South Africa, how cool would it be to be touched by monkeys? I always dreamed to have a monkey as a kid. And, you know, I'd seen monkeys here and there during our visit, but not really. And on that walk from Healing House to our room one last time before we leave, there's a full forest of little monkeys right there on that path. And guess what? I'm walking fully embodied in love and remembering who I am. You You just met Jesus. My soul is whole. (laughs) I feel held. I'm one with Source, And all of these monkeys get activated and all of them want to run and touch me. And one of them did have the courage and it kind of, you know, scraped my uh, leg a little bit in the back. And I received that with joy and I was just like, monkeys, that's enough. I would not want to get scratched right now, you know, wouldn't want to get any diseases. So this is good. This is enough. I received the message. Thank you. You can go now. Um, Thank you
0: for answering my prayer.
1: Exactly. But all of these, you know, synchronistic, mysterious, divinely guided, joyful and deep and scary moments all together, like Mm. to me, Mm. that is worth. Being alive for. Mm-hmm. And that couldn't have been scripted. It couldn't have been expected. It was just
0: saying yes to one thing at a time, even mm. things that didn't make sense. Mm. Oh my gosh. I'm just sitting in that field of you sharing that. I felt electricity just coursing through my body that whole time, especially when you revealed who the man was. And ah, oh, wow. Thank you first for sharing that. I've been waiting about six months to hear that yes. story because I knew you had um you and Jasmine had shared with me that something very life-changing and as deeply profound as possible had mm-hmm. happened to you in this healing house on the lands. And yet I knew, you know, I just needed to wait until you felt called to share me, to share that with me. So um thank you for doing mm-hmm. it today. It was an unexpected gift that I didn't know. I would receive and everyone joining us would receive, um, because yeah, truly experiences like that are yeah beyond words and just the ultimate of, of divine experiences. And I was even curious too, if the massage therapist, I know that that's, she's much more than that, but, um, if she was even aware of Mm. what was happening or if she was just you know, just that embodied with her gifts and her light language or whatever, that it was just pouring out of her. Um, but it sounds like she was pretty in tune. with Very in tune. Mm-hmm. Such a powerful healer. Wow. You know, I think some of the most powerful
1: healers don't announce anything about who they are. Yeah, And it's just that invitation that I'm very inspired by to just walk as love. Mm-hmm. And this invitation to every interaction at a grocery
0: store every interaction with an animal or human, wherever we go, how can we embody love? So true. Yeah. There's an incredible acupuncturist medicine woman. Um, I'm not even going to say where she works because I really respect just how her path works, but yeah, the same, you know, she doesn't do interviews and, you know, doesn't use certain titles and and that's her way, you know, and um, yet I was called to work with her. And as soon as I entered her acupuncture room, I was like, oh, and now I know why I'm here. And then as soon as she started talking to me and working on me, I was like, and now I really know why I'm here. And I was so excited to um, you know, invite her on Ceremony Circle to just talk about her gifts and her path. Uh, but I could sense her... Uh, that her, her path works very differently than mine and, and yours. And just, uh, you know, I'm to be very public with my work and my name is a very medicinal name and things like that and title, I, I mean. And and so I wasn't sure. And, and, you know, in fact, she didn't really want to do interviews and I respected that. and But it's just beautiful to just honor it all mm. and just how everyone you know, does it the way that they're supposed to do it. So
1: grateful for everyone who is finding the courage to say yes to their path, whether that's Mm -hmm. very public and celebrated or totally behind the scenes, just,
0: you know, distributing love one touch at a time, Mm. whatever that looks like. Oh my gosh. And I guess my last question for you around that beautiful share that you blessed us with is, yeah, like the relationship with Jesus has um, anything shifted? Do you talk with him differently? Mm. More? Do you feel his energy differently? Or has has none of it revealed in that way? Mm. Yeah.
1: I think we get as much of different energies as we are ready to receive. Mm-hmm. And I never was someone who talks to extraterrestrials or to Jesus. And I never understood how does that work? What does that mean? You know, you always reference those things. And I'm like, what is this? What does it even feel like? Where would I hear the whisper? Is it my left ear? Is it my right? right? Do I need to be under the water? Does you it know? sound like a human voice? Yes. It- so I think I got as much I'm able to receive and process at this time. Yeah. And whatever is next will be revealed next. And since, well, a little earlier than that, a Course in Miracles and Marianne Williamson's return to love has been a huge part of my life and really a guiding light in what's important and how coming back to love is the only thing we can do yes. in our work and our
0: relationships and everything. I totally agree. It's so simple. Yeah, it's my biggest intention in prayer. And it feels more powerful than anything to be more and more embodied with that. So before we get to your uh mini ritual or ceremony, whatever you feel called to close the ceremony circle with, I would love to just touch on the fact that you are one of the 25 global contributors to mm. my Animal Power book and how it also ties in. You know, you shared a powerful life-changing story connected to the rhino. Uh, which also happened in Africa. So I don't know if you want to read your story aloud for the first time or if you want to keep that for whoever feels called to get the book and just share a little bit about Mm. um, your experience in general with the rhino power animal.
1: Yeah, let's keep the book Mm -hmm. a surprise. It's such a beautiful book. And I think it's such a beautiful addition to anyone's altar or coffee table. Mm -hmm. It's so worth picking up. Um, I definitely want to use this as a gift and have in my own homes, future homes, current home. And the story that I was so grateful to share was also in Africa, in Namibia, when I was there to celebrate a wedding of our dear friend Clara and also ended up being my engagement trip. (laughs) I remember one night I was with our friend Jasmine at this reserve and in the middle, there's a pool where animals just come to drink water at the water hole any time of the day. And they're known for having rhinos around there. And we stayed up late under the beautiful African stars, just sitting around fire and talking about life and feeling alive. And a rhino came to visit. And I remember seeing the rhino put its head down towards the water drinking water as if it's looking at its own reflection. And its reflection wasn't diluting or impacting its perception of what it is, what it's here to do, how much water it's going to drink, how it's going to appear to other animals. It was just being. Mm. It was just being itself. It was nourishing its body through water in that moment. And that's all that was. It's this magnificence of presence in this moment without having to think about how it might appear, how it might impact our path and how the hologram of social media will play into that. It's this invitation of how present can we be because the quality of presence
0: is truly a portal into love and into Mm -hmm. everything we've been talking about. Yes. Mm. I, I, it's so perfect that we're kind of ending the interview portion on that note because uh, leading up to the modern Nirvana uh, conference we, there were a bunch of pre event gatherings and masterminds and just a lot of, um, I, a lot going on. And uh, I, for someone who's super energy sensitive and believe it or not, a bit of an introvert at times, it was, it was just a lot for me. And anyways, and a lot of those sharings we were supposed to go around and, you know, express what we need most. It was we were answering different questions in a group format, and and lately, all my prayer, um, aside from just you know embodying greater unconditional love of self and others, is just the presence piece. Mm. I just really all I need and want is to just be present. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and I'm also called to share a micro story within
1: that where we were at Llandeilozy and we were on one of our morning game drives. And Eric loves making people uncomfortable. He just loves it. It's such a fun thing for him. It makes him feel alive. It makes everyone else in the room alive, even if it's super, super uncomfortable. And I've always been brought up in a way where being nice and not ruffling the feathers is the way to be. And so for me, being around an energy that is so loud and so blunt can be very triggering And It can bring up embarrassment or shame or judgment of self, of him, and this, you know, wondering what are the people thinking. Mm -hmm. And I was given this powerful, powerful perspective shift that really changed everything that I'm still integrating. And it was this message that discomfort and the way that Eric plays with it is also a portal into presence and my own Mm -hmm. discomfort with it Mm. is an invitation to be present Mm -hmm. without judgment, without fear, without shame, just, okay, this is coming up. Can I be with it? Can I handle it? And whatever's coming up for us, I trust that we're only given as much as we can handle. And so, Since then, I'm still rewiring, you know, like sometimes he'll be very loud at a restaurant and like talk to everyone at every table and be like, hey, how's that chicken over there? Should we get that? Oh, you didn't get that cookie. You have to get that cookie. And sometimes it's loud and uncomfortable. And so I'm just learning to practice energy sovereignty and realize that the way he's being doesn't mean that I need to match that. Mm -hmm. I can stay in my field and I don't need to do anything that he's doing, but also just,
0: you know, having fun with it because he is. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. I always <laughs> love it. It's just, I, it's, it's incredible. Oh my God. Okay, perfect. Perfect story to end on. And so um, what do you need us to do for your mini offering here to close the circle today? Do you want us to sit up, lay down? Does it matter? Mm-hmm. Any notes? So let's see what comes through.
1: I definitely would like us to have our eyes closed, whether you want to sit down or lay down. Make sure you're not driving ideally. So, we've journeyed through a lot of different realms and lessons and things that have reminded you of your own places where you are ready to let go, release, receive. And taking a deep breath into exactly where you are. Releasing the need to do anything, to be anywhere. And just checking in with your heart and seeing what's present for you in your heart. Taking a deep breath into your throat, softening. taking a deep breath behind your eyes and into your head, and into your crown. With every breath, just creating, softening, inviting space and inviting ease. Traveling down into your belly, breathing into your center of creation. Remembering the magical vessel that you are and all of the chances that came together for this soul, the source, to be expressed through your unique human life. Traveling the breath and the space and the love down your legs, your calves, your feet, feeling the connection to the earth, remembering that you too might be part of the mycelial network, plugging into the earth, into the crystal caves, into the soil that holds us all. And with that space, seeing what else arises. Continuing to breathe into your heart. Perhaps placing your hands somewhere on your body, on your belly, on your heart. And feeling how your hands are such a powerful portal for which we can receive the energy through our crown, through the cosmos, bring them all the way down into our hands and then channel it back into our own body or to bring our hands up, if you're called to do that now, we can also send out blessings into the world with the simple power of intention and remembering that our hands are an extension of our hearts. Remembering the unique medicine that you came here to embody. Trusting that how it's been unfolding up until now is exactly the perfect set of circumstances that have led up to this moment And inviting in the courage to hear the whisper for the next step. What is something that has been in your field for a while that you haven't given that space or presence or love to? Or maybe in this space, something that arises is brand new and unexpected. How open can you be to the possibility that? is awakened when we trust the unknown and when we sit in the space of nothing and open ourselves up 360 to all of the joyful and expansive possibilities of receiving, giving, creating, loving, and remembering that when we allow ourselves to be that channel, that receives with ease, that gives with ease, that shares messages with ease, we bless our own human vessel and we bless everyone around us. Lighting up the grid around the world that needs your medicine, that is ready for your medicine. Taking another deep breath and seeing what comes up into the space. And knowing that if it's not a specific message, maybe it's an energy or a color in your belly or in your third eye that can be recorded in this moment with your mind, with your heart, and revisited anytime you want. And remembering that you are own portal to all of the answers, to all of the growth, to all of the expansion, That has already occurred. How present can you be to that? And placing your hands on your heart. Once again, feeling the frequency of the most powerful tool, the most powerful knowledge that you carry that's within your heart, connecting you to the powerful grid of frequencies that connect us all together, all around the world. And breathing into that, feeling the power of your hands, feeling the power of your heart, and trusting the power of your voice to express the medicine that you are here to share. And when you're ready, opening your eyes. And if you feel called, you can jot down some things that came up. Or just allow it to continue unfolding because it will. Once we open ourselves up to these powerful portals of what is, the information tends to just keep coming along in so many ways. So be open to any animals that might show up behind your window or on a walk to the park words or names that come up. Maybe it's a whisper to connect with a certain person. My invitation for you is to take one action on the feeling or the whisper that you heard and see what happens and how much space can you keep creating for miracles that are already unfolding and on their way to you and through you. Thank you for traveling with me. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, Rhino. And thank you, Jane Motorcycles and JC.
0: Thank you to it all. Yes. Second, Mm -hmm. all of those thank yous. And thank you for that beautiful offering. That was really powerful. It was making me remember. It's been a long time since I've ever, you know, like sat and you guiding a meditation or been in that space uh, witnessing you in that way and it was so nice i was like oh she needs to do more of this we need to have like a <laughs> that is a whisper i've been hearing uh, a long time yeah Yep. thank you for for me. yeah it was really good um i'll just share briefly that the whale power animal came in for me uh, and that's a newer guide it's not um i've worked with you know well i definitely worked with all 100 of the, uh, power animals in the book and beyond, um, some much more deeply and extensively than others. And I have not worked deeply, uh, yet with the whale, but the whale came in and it, um, just kept, you know, those, those giant whales that just rise out and just make such a huge splash. And that was the message that, um, that it's time and needed and safe for me to make an even bigger splash mm, with my messaging. I see that for you. As
1: Boyd says, I know it to be true. He said in my interviewing him that me visiting Lon Delosie, I know it to be true. And a few months later, I was they there. you were
0: getting married there yes. and seeing my face on Skype. Or I don't know if you could see, or not on Skype, on Zoom. I don't know if you could see us. But yeah, so, so good. So good, mm-hmm. so I guess that's our cue. <laughs> We've got a car alarm going on outside. Life so is calling. Life is calling us back to this earth realm. So thank you all so much. What a multifaceted, multidimensional, beautiful, rich, Jesus love filled mm. ceremony circle ride we all just went on together. So thank you to every person listening because it is definitely a co-creative effort and I appreciate all of you and well, all of you equally but got some extra deep special love for those of you who journey with me and the guest every single Ceremony Circle podcast episode. So special time thank you Ksenia it was really this is my first interview like doing it from home and so thank you for activating the interview energy in the home space and I love you so much Mm, love you so much it's always such a joy to co-create let's go on a trip again yeah I know Mm. yeah let's figure out when I press the stop record button where we're going so Mm -hmm. sending love to all of you thank you so much for being here with us Mm -hmm. we'll sit with you next time Woo! what a powerful voyage that was it is just my greatest honor it brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible embodied true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you, please go to my website where all the show notes are listed, www.alisoncharles.com. That's www.alisoncharles.com so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them and remember what makes ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode as you just experienced we immerse in a powerful ceremony ritual invocation prayer spiritual song some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience, do so. Because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you, Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating. Find me on Instagram at I am Alison Charles, And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred Ceremony Circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the Ceremony Circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes.